What's up, guys? Welcome back to Brooklyn Founders. If you're new, welcome. Brooklyn Founders is a podcast that spotlights people building communities, following passions, and inspiring others to act all right here from Brooklyn, New York. I'm your host, Sophia. And today we have a special political edition of the podcast. Ooh, exciting. Um, The 2020 presidential election is one week away. Scary, scary, scary. Um, Today's founder, Kareem Abdul Sadiq, co-founded his nonprofit, Crossing Party Lines, after seeing the deep divisiveness that is spreading through our country because of politics. And since he started in 2016, our country has only become more divided. With the 2020 presidential election so close, I thought it'd be great to talk to Kareem about his organization and how he's bringing people together with opposing political viewpoints to connect through empathy and humanity. It's a great episode, especially if you have trouble having uncomfortable conversations about politics, values, beliefs with people you're close to or people in your life, and you want to be a better empathizer and listener. So I hope you enjoy it. Rate, review, subscribe. Um, Let's get into it. Thanks for listening. You got this. All right. Well, welcome to the Brooklyn Founders podcast, Kareem. Thank you so much for being on and meeting with me today. Thank you for How's having me. How's it going? Me. How are you? It's going well. It's going well. Thank you for having me and thank you for inviting me to, to be on your podcast. It's yeah, a pleasure. of course. So let's just get into it. Um, can you tell the Brooklyn Founders audience what is Crossing Party Lines? Sure. So Crossing Party Lines is a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, we have a mission of building uh, community and tolerance and encouraging civic engagement among people with uh, dissimilar political ideologies. And so we do that by bringing conservatives and liberals and people who think differently uh, together and having conversations that are past the, the BS that we see in the media, really trying to understand what people genuinely believe and think based off of who they are as individuals and their experiences, really trying to humanize the conversation that we that we see on television. Right. And that's why I wanted to talk to you today as the election is literally in like two weeks. Um, I think these kinds of conversations are more important than ever to be having. And I know personally, I've been talking to, I, I am a liberal Democrat, that's mm-hmm. how I identify. I've been talking to a lot of conservative, Republican family and friends and finding it very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. And if any of them are listening, they'll probably agree with me. Hi. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I found crossing party lines to be such an important thing, and that's why I wanted to talk to you. So thanks for being on again. Um, Mm -hmm. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, So I was born in Queens, New York. Um, I... uh, my parents are um, immigrants, Egyptian Muslims. I grew up in, I'd say, more of a conservative Muslim household. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I struggled a little bit growing up between, you know, assimilating with my identity as like an American and an Egyptian and kind of figuring out my, where I stood on religion. And um, so I ended up uh, going to school and studying IT and philosophy. I double majored in IT and philosophy. IT for, you know, my parents who wanted me to do something technical as immigrants, you know, coming to America. This is like a big, you have to choose something that's going to make money. Right. Um, But I chose philosophy for myself because it was an opportunity for me to really delve in and like explore and have a better understanding on, you know, who I was and, you know, why I believed what I believed. And uh, it drove me into uh, D.C. Um, so politics I, you were originally interested in? or I was interested in, I, I was bit, I'm a bit of an idealist. And I was interested in, in making an impact when I, when I came out of school, but also wanted to um, get as involved as I could in, in um, the government. And, and so uh, when I graduated, I went to D.C., and landed a gig um, advising for the federal government. And that's my background, kind of. um, I do innovation strategy for the federal government and organizational transformation type work. Yeah, so are you in D.C. a lot? 
I used to live in D.C. Um, I, and then I moved back home to, uh, to New York. So it's like uh, it's a bit of a homecoming for me for the past couple of years. Cool. Well, yeah. so you, you moved to D.C. to work in government, work with government. Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to start Crossing Party Lines and how did that become important to you? So, yeah, that's a good question. So there's so many layers to this. Like, I mean, I feel like whenever you start anything, personally, it's like you, there's the trigger point where it's what drives you to get up and say, I have to do something. And then there's like the work that you do after to try to understand what the roots are from that trigger and like what like, you know, what motivated you that to actually get up and want to do something from like experiences of your past. So the first reason, the trigger that actually drove me to do this was it was 2016. I was on my couch watching Trevor Noah and I was watching, they were doing like a, a third month mania type March madness bracket where the folks were coming in who are like predominantly liberal that watched a show and voting on what they hate the most what makes them the most angry and um they call in a bunch of times and then finally they then vote and finally they came up with the last bracket which was trump supporters or global warming deniers (laughs) (laughs) well sophie's choice yeah (laughs) and what ended up winning was the final votes were cast and the majority of the voters, there were 4 million votes cast, um, wow. hated Trump supporters more than the, more than global warming. Did Trevor uh, Noah use that word hate in the, his poll? He, so, so he didn't use it in the, in the poll, but um, it makes you the most angry. Mm. And, but then after they were celebrating it, um, like the episode, they were saying, congratulations, uh, uh, Trump supporters... Uh, Americans hate you more than the destruction of the entire planet. And it was funny. Everyone's laughing. I was laughing with them up until the point yeah. where I was just like, holy shit, we're starting, like, this is, it started to feel a little uncomfortable because we're starting to normalize hate hate for, like, half of the country. Yeah. And that, for me, was a trigger point. Um, and I didn't know exactly why at the time. But in reflecting on what it was that really got me. It was how after 9-11, there was a point where Muslims and Arabs were all across the country. There was a moment where everyone just shifted to hating them just because, right? Yeah. And that like resonated with me really deep. And my parents, I love them to death. I'm not, I'm not like religious, but you know, they're conservative Muslims. They pray five times a day. Um, I, I see them as conservative. I respect their, their viewpoints and I love them. And I disagree with them on a lot of things, but I still love them. And, and to see how quickly it is for us as a society to on a, on a flip of a dime, to just start hating groups of people. It's a scary freaking thing. Yeah. And so when I saw that, I, was, I wasn't comfortable with doing it because it felt like the same exact thing, just done with a different group. Yeah. And I think uh, definitely the world we live in today, social media, Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, Facebook, facilitates like that hate just easily spread. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely an important thing to know about why you started an organization. So... So then that happened, you were triggered, mm. you felt compelled and called to do something. So what were your next steps after that? Yeah, good question. So um, I had a hypothesis. My hypothesis was, all right, I don't think that, I mean, everyone's been behind their computers, trolling around, you know, saying things about, about different groups that they don't like behind their computers, hiding and not really you know, being the worst versions of themselves. My hypothesis was if you get people in person, face-to-face, and start having conversations and start trying to actually empathize and connect on why we believe and think the things that we think, 
that there's a transformative property there that'll get people to connect and they're not going to be as disrespectful and rude to each other in person. Oh, of course not. Yeah. People are chicken shit. <laughs> <laughs> they might want to be, but like they won't. Yeah. And so, and, and so I thought I'd test that out and, and, and see whether or not people will buy it. So I went to the Women's March in DC. Um, I, I created all these wristbands and whatever that I was giving away for free. Um, and I, in order to give them away for free, I'd pull people to the side and I just ask them questions. I say, Hey, um, you know, would you think you would you be open because majority of folks are liberal at the women's march obviously right would you be open to talking to a conservative and trying to understand what they believe what you believe um and i was trying to get a gauge on whether or not their people would even be open to it and what i found was that the majority of folks um said that this is exactly what needs to happen right and they fundamentally agreed um there were a, a, a much smaller percentage which in my opinion tends to be the much louder percentage um, of folks that were just like, absolutely not. These folks will never change their minds. This is who they are. You know, like they, we have to like fight this and all these sorts of things. And I, I found myself for whatever reason coming out of that, um, I found myself trying to manage towards how do I get the folks that are completely rooted in, in not liking conservatives, right, or try, just, just completely disregarding them to be part of the conversation when I realized, like, the focus should just be on connecting humans with each other that are more open to it and then just creating a culture around that where people just are a lot more inclusive with folks that think differently in general. And so not really focusing on the fringe groups, which I feel like we tend to do too often. Yeah. Yep. And I think the majority of people are probably willing to do that. Mm. But when you say louder, I think it's those people who are like most active on like social media or mm. making the most noise that way. But quick question. Did you find any conservatives at the Women's March? Would love to know. No. <laughs> uh, no conservatives. Well, not, okay. <laughs> not, none that would identify as conservatives. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. And why is that? I don't know. Maybe you should have a conversation about that on Crossing Party. <laughs> well, actually, I, I, be honest with you, I, uh, it makes sense, right? Like, I did kind of have a conversation about that one time with one of the, um, one of the members of Crossing Party Lines in New York. I asked her if she would be. She's a conservative, uh, Trump supporter. <laughs> Uh, I asked her if she would be open to have, well, I asked the group if she would be open, they would be open to having conversations outside. Um, and, outside in person. Yeah, in like Bryant Park or something, yeah. right? Instead of like, you know, the usual indoors. And she said, I don't feel comfortable. I said, why? She said, because we live in New York. She said, I don't want, you know, I, as a Trump supporter coming out and identifying as a Trump supporter in New York, like, I don't feel safe. <laughs> and that scared the shit out of me for her because it's like how do you like how can you live in a space where you just don't feel safe to share certain to share certain views in general like okay well i'm going to push back on you there because yeah. i think trump is super divisive and yeah. perpetuates and spews so many lies and mm. so much hate towards huge groups of people and a lot of people feel a way about that. Like, yeah. a lot of people feel like this person has deliberately <laughs> attacked my family, people who look like me. He wants us to go back to our countries, even though my country is here, the United States of America. Um, I think Trump's a super polarizing figure and has led to the crisis that we are in right now. So that's another thing that I wanted to ask you is, like, in this election year... I feel like a conversation between a conservative and a liberal is different than it would have been like mm. five years ago when he wasn't on our minds mm. doing crazy things. So, I mean, her like being afraid, she should ask herself, why am I ashamed to like say what I stand for? Maybe there's a problem there. So what's interesting is, and I, and we live in different worlds these days. It's so much easier to choose your own facts and to choose your own realities and to live in your own bubble where you don't see anything that's wrong with the other side or with your own side for the most part, right? And I mean, anybody that watches Fox News every single morning is gonna feel like Trump is doing a great job. Anybody who watches CNN every morning 
is going to feel like Trump is doing a horrible job. And the narratives are so freaking different, right? But they play fundamentally to human things and human desires and human needs that are different as well. And so Trump is just a figure, right? He's a figurehead. At the end of the day, the conversation is, is what's happening in the media and what's happening on social media. And it's the way that we're receiving our information. And so, like, I agree. He's a divisive figure. When you're, especially if we're living in like a liberal, like we live in New York, right? New York City is predominantly liberal. He's divisive as heck in New York, right? You go to Texas, right? He's not. And is it because people in Texas suck, right? <laughs> well, I left Texas, so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. No, I'm kidding. I love Austin, <laughs> where I'm from, but. Anyways. I think there's, there's probably some decent folks there. No, I mean, my family and friends, like a lot of family and a lot of friends live in Texas. That's mm. why, but I have strong opinions towards, against them and that mm. mindset, which is another part of the reason why I left. So, mm. um, but obviously I love these people. They're in my life. So that's why I, I think these conversations are important. And I want to get better at empathizing mm. and listening rather than like reacting like even when you said trump supporter like i like my lip curled and i mm. was immediately like you ready to go grossed out. you're ready to throw on the gloves yes <laughs> so i don't want to be that way even though i do feel strongly that trump should not be our president um i want to listen more and i want to have more engaging conversations and i think that's you know, so that's what you're doing with your organization. So talk a little bit about how, how you go about that. How do you guys structure these conversations? Like, what is the ritual? Yeah. And, and so I, I just want to, before I get into the conversation, if that's okay, I just want to talk, because sure. you touch on like a really central, I would say, concern that a lot of people have when they think about like, why even um, engage with Trump supporters, right? Um, in general, like a lot of folks are just like, you know what, I don't even want to be around them, right? Um, and and to, to folks that think and believe that, the one thing that I would say is, what's the alternative, right? What's the alternative when you disagree with somebody and you live with them? Do you just completely ignore each other? Like we, we you share just talk about other things. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point. That's a really good point. You talk about other things, right? I love that concept because when you start talking about other things, you start connecting, you start relating, and you start appreciating, you start caring about the individual in front of you, right? And then all of this BS that's dividing us right now, we start realizing like, what the fuck are we really divided over? Like at the end of the day, now we start, now we start talking about politics, right? We're able, yeah, we'll still, we still get a little bit tense. Right? But we're able to talk about it and actually hear each other a bit more. Right? And I feel like that's probably one of the most important steps in the right direction to transform our communities to being less polarized. Yeah, but I think this year it feels more urgent because Black Lives Matter happened. Mm. I mean, I know it's always been happening, but this year it was like on a whole nother level. And I was participating a lot because I support the movement a lot. And I think like systemic racism is obviously huge. Mm issue in our country and what trump stands for is not protecting those ideals and these are people's lives like that are impacted every day so how do you tell someone who's like a black person in a low-income community who gets like harassed by the police that this isn't like that it's about civility that we should like be kind to each other and not talk about politics when it's literally like their lives yeah i don't know to me no. that's and that's a fair point. And I, and, and I think that it's important to... Folks should vote their values. And folks should organize. And they should do um, what they believe in and make the changes that they, that they feel like are important to their communities. I feel like when we talk about Trump, he's such a divisive figure. Um, we, we tend to not separate Trump from the people that support Trump. We tend to see them as the same, right? And what that tends to do 
is like we don't like there's there's so many systematic like divisive um let me take a step back these days i think i mentioned this a little bit earlier like we can get the news that we want we can talk to the people that we started already talking to the people that agree with us even more so like growing up i remember i used to have people i didn't agree with i used to argue we used to fight and it would be fine and it would be gucci at the end of the day we're all having a good time but now it's like if you don't agree with me i hate you and it's starting to get further and further that divided that it's like we're starting to create more like like divided society that and then we start saying well you guys aren't with us so and so we're against you but we need you to help with this movement but then it's like how do you how do you kind of shun somebody or shun groups in general i'm not just talking about conservatism and liberals i'm talking about like both like against each other and then and then when you try to make a change for the country you want to bring people along for the journey it's like we have to exhibit unfortunately our leaders aren't demonstrating this for us no right and so like we are going to have to lead on the ground and if we don't <laughs> i like that yeah and if we don't what's going to end up happening is these power structures that are in place are going to continue to set the agenda and so we have to organize collectively and unfortunately the only way to do it is to do it compassionately and to do it across the aisles ourselves this is true okay so let's talk about these actual conversations that cross okay the lines. yeah i'm sorry get to business <laughs> Thank you for keeping me on track. Yeah. <laughs> so how does that usually work? Like, are they usually pretty civil? People are nice to each other. Mm. What's been the craziest thing that you've seen? So the craziest thing that I've seen. Okay. They are. So the first one that I did was. So it's a podcast, right? Mm. Oh, it's just groups getting together, but it's also a podcast. It's also a podcast. Yeah. Okay. So we've got a number of different things. So we've got. Um, seven different chapters. Actually, we just started eight. So I think we have eight different chapters um, across the country. And we've got back before coronavirus, we would have folks get together and we'd have a national topic and we'd have local topics. Mm. And the national topic would be something like gun control, right? After the Las Vegas shooting, we got people together to talk about what happened and talk about gun control and the need for it. And we'd have a group which would put together the events and they would come up with articles for folks to read. And these articles would be um, mixed opinion, right? You'd have, you know, conservative articles, you have liberal articles and so on and so forth. And folks would, then the goal of that was to just really get people to read different perspectives and to come in and, you know, ideally formulate their own, their own thoughts and, and critically think through things. Um, and, and we would bring, we have one moderator in each one of those groups. And, uh, typically we keep the sessions to about 15 people. And the, the conversation is just really structured around trying to understand genuinely what people believe and why they believe what they believe. They tend to be tense, um, in the beginning when there are new people to the conversation. Do you guys keep it like half and half? I mean, I know there's like liberal and conservative, but there's also like libertarian or like other parties. Mm. How do you like recruit people in? Like, or do you keep it? You don't like have one group more people to gang up on the other. Yeah, no. What we do is we try to set the the rules so it's like a royal rumble, and are there boxing gloves on the table. So I'd be so scared to go to one of those. Honestly, <laughs> I really would. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Oh, man, you'd be ready to go, right? I don't know who would want to face off with me. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, people get together and, and for whatever reason, I found that we tend to have a healthy balance for the most part, generally more, conser- more, more liberals than conservatives, um, and libertarians and so on. Obviously, we have people a bunch of different views. But when we end up having much fewer conservatives what we do is because people are there to hear different perspectives what we do is as a moderator well you you should spend more time hearing a conservative viewpoint um you're not there to feel comfortable you're not there to have people agree with you if you go to a crossing party lines conversation 
You're there to be challenged. Um, you're there to understand and think and what people who think differently than you believe and why. Mm-hmm. And you're there to build what people are losing, which is distress tolerance, right? Which is dis- and distress tolerance is this idea that uh, um, you know we can hear viewpoints that are descending, that are descending from our own, and be able to be and be able to tolerate them and actually critically think through them. Like we as people in America, our societies are slowly starting to get less tolerant of anything that yeah. dissents. I mean, that's like a total, that's like a mental health thing, honestly. It's an ego. Like, a person feels their, their viewpoint attacked, their ego goes into protection mode. Like, mm. I can't be wrong or I'll die. Literally, that's what, I've studied this a little bit, but like, yeah. that's what your ego thinks. Like, if you are wrong, you will be hurt. It won't feel good. Yeah. You need to fight back against this. You have to be right. Yeah. So, yeah. You're right. It's no. hard for people. It really is. No, I mean, it, 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 you feel like your, your very being is, is, you know, being questioned. Yeah. Right? And, and I think a big part of that is identity. Right? We feel like our identity is, is fixed. Um, and that if somebody questions something that's a value of ours that's part of what we identify as, they've attacked our very being. And I think until we start recognizing that we're more than just our values and our viewpoints and our identities are fluid, we're gonna continue to struggle to, to actually you know, hear each other, hear folks that think differently. And so that's one of the reasons why it's extremely important for us to be around people that think differently. Because if our values and viewpoints don't really stand on anything right and then the second they're challenged you know they fall apart then what the heck do you genuinely want to hold on to something that you just you have no real justification for believing like we should be open and excited when somebody comes to us and says i'm going to disagree with you on this that and the third right um hear them out understand their line of reasoning empathize with them and once you actually hear them out and you really hear them and you validate them as a human being for, for coming to their own conclusion as a human, right? But then share your perspective with them. Um, that's when people listen to you. That's when, people, that's when people's values and their viewpoints start to become transformed because it's like, I don't feel like you're threatening me or attacking my identity. You've actually validated me, accepted me, gave me the space to share who I am and what I believe. And you're telling me that this is what you think and what you believe without questioning me as an individual, right? That's not how conversations happen today. Conversations happen as soon as someone shares something, they do, someone else jumps in and says, you know what? You don't deserve to be who you are. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I, obviously, it's like, and we go back to square one and we hate each other. Yeah. But, I mean, I confess I haven't had too many of those conversations, but I feel like I should... I should involve myself in those. Yo, come to Crossing Party. I do. I want to go. Come through. I have to research, though. Yo, we're virtual now. So we got people from all over the country joining our conversations. We have a lot of members in Portland. I sure crew my friends from Texas. Yeah, we have some folks from Texas that join. We have folks from Portland, Chicago, uh, North Carolina. Yeah. Folks from Ohio. Like, the conversations were very rich. And we have folks from Cali coming in, too. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Do you think people are more interested this year? Like, how have you seen growth in CPL over the years since you started? Um, are people more interested here? So I, I think that people are more cautious this year than I think they've been before. Um, they're a lot more sensitive to what they see and how they're being judged. And I've noticed, because we've been doing this, We've just been a, a nonprofit for almost two years now, a formal nonprofit. But I've been having these conversations since um, right after, like it started right after the Women's March. And so I've noticed since then to today that over time we've been seeing folks feeling less and less comfortable to share their views. Like it takes more to get people to open up. Yeah. And I personally think that that's a trend of us further getting entrenched in our viewpoints and afraid to of how we're going to be judged around other people who disagree with us. 
because we just see the other side as just a complete other. Yeah. And we're starting to like, yeah, it's, it's, it. Do you I, think that's a product of this year and everything that's happened? Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's a product. I think this definitely contributed hundred percent contributed. Um, so how yeah. do you, how do you navigate that? Like, how do you make it a safe space? Like you're not going to get cursed at here or yeah. like you will be judged obviously, but like no one's going to outright call you like an idiot or something. So that's a good question. And thank you for asking that. So a couple of things, one for folks that, and I, I probably should, should emphasize this a bit more when I was saying what I was saying for folks that are part of the dialogue regularly, cause we have a community of folks that come a lot. Um, they understand the conversational dynamics. They understand the values of the organization. They feel a lot safer because the moder- they, they know what it's like to be in a moderated conversation and that the moderator will stand up for them. For folks that are new to the conversations, those folks come in and they, they're still kind of getting a sense of what it's like to be at a crossing party lines conversation. And so those folks, to build that confidence and to feel like it's a, it's a safe space, um, and actually, we started using the term brave space instead of safe space because it's like, you're going to get triggered. It sounds like an AA meeting. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get triggered. <laughs> um, and so, like, you just need to be, you, you, the moderator is there to set the tone. So, yeah. like, if is you say. Is the moderator also fact checking? Uh, it's not about facts. Oh, it's not. A thing, right? So, the thing is, the second that people go in and they start, sh- like, throwing in facts and saying, well, you know, the statistically speaking, X, Y, and Z is that it's like now we're starting to try to disprove each other mm-hmm. instead of trying to listen and hear each other why, you, why we feel what we feel about, about the view, values and the Got viewpoints it. that we heard. Because the problem is once you start getting into that, then it's like, you're wrong, I'm right, boom, got you, my facts are better than your facts. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And then the conversation over. But that could over. help, you know, persuade someone to see something in a different light or it doesn't. In well, your experience, it hasn't worked that the, way. The thing is, is like when you give somebody some statistics, all you do is shut them up. They're still going to feel what they feel. Like mm-hmm. people's, people's values, people hold their viewpoints and then they find the facts to align with them. And then they find the statistics to prove themselves right because they're like, this is why I'm right. This is why I'm validated. Here's the statistics that says... I'm correct for the most part, right? And so what ends up happening is you just say, no, your statistics suck. My statistics are better. You don't really get to the core value of like why they believe what they believe. If you get past that and say, why do you feel that? Why do you think that? Like, where are you coming from? Like, and then you let the person speak. You empathize. You connect. You actually hear them. Now you're actually having a conversation, right? And then you can bring in some statistics later, right? But if you start facting, it's just like you're, you're, you're fighting with facts. I feel like that's what a lot of political discussions are, though. Like, there are a lot of facts and figures, and this happened, no, and then this happened. So, like, mm. a situation is a winner at the end. But, I mean, I get what you mean about it doesn't actually change anyone's viewpoints or, like, get to the heart of why they believe what they believe. So, maybe we're talking about two different things here. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, our goal is to build community and build tolerance and get people and just to bring engaged. people back together and yeah. not hating one actively hating another person for having a different viewpoint yeah no exactly and the thing is we're not trying to like when it comes to solving problems like we need a fact we need we need to have statistics and science and facts and all the figures and understand what the best route is for us to make a decision right when it comes to connecting with human beings and just like building those those meaningful relationships that we're losing in our country nobody cares about the facts yeah okay so have you seen a lot of impact created since starting like bringing people together wise like real friendships made from these people who have different views or like what's been the impact so the what we've been seeing is the groups and the communities that we've been bringing together of folks that are probably unusual suspects to be in a room together different you know political viewpoints different genders age demographics that at the end of the conversations when you're talking about something like so like deeply value-based and you're seeing the same folks over and over again you start caring about each other you know um we had somebody you know recently who lost somebody in their family and folks reached out and supported, you know, and, and you know, shared condolences and 
um, we have started a community where people are there for each other. We go out, or we used to go out before COVID. Um, now we kind of virtually have happy hours and so on. Or we mm. just like go get like go to K Town and like you know get some get some banchan or like uh-huh. grab some soju as a crew, and just talk and 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 hang out and be like each other. At the end of the day, it's just like the one of the things I love about being a part of Crossing Party Lines is you don't feel like you can't be who you are you don't feel like you need to hide a a perspective because you'll be judged for it you'll throw out a perspective of your own and what's going to happen is people are going to reflect on it and they're going to look at different different you know perspectives on it and so you're allowed to be yourself and that's i think um, one of the biggest impacts that I've seen people appreciate yeah. in our conversations. Have you ever had to like remove someone from yes. the community for being a dick? Mm-hmm. Like many people, or uh, no? Actually, it's, I actually thought it was going to be a lot more common. Yeah, like where people are just going to be insane. So the first conversation that I had, I over prepared because I was scared as shit. Right? Am I allowed <laughs> you were to moderating? Am I, am I allowed to curse on this yeah, podcast? It's a podcast. I, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is here. Um, I, yeah, I was moderating. Okay. And it was right after a Muslim ban. And tensions were, tensions were high in New York. We ended up getting a really large group. We had like, for, for the first turnout, it was like 25 people. And I was like, this is before I understood like conversational dynamics and you probably should keep it to like no more than 15 people, whatever, because that (laughs) large of a group, you're not going to be able to control it with one moderator. Yeah. Right. And I went and I overprepared and I had all these rules and so on and so forth. And man, people in the beginning... They were going at it, right? And people were talking about, like, you had Islamophobists there. We had a senator that was there from, uh, from New Mexico, ex-senator. Um, wow. And we had, like, all of these. The, and, every, and he was Republican. And so we were talking about immigration. He was talking about the wall. And, Ugh, and we were, seriously? like, really getting into it, right? And I, was, I thought that the conversation was going to get completely off the rails. Uh, but we were just people kept like in, shouting or like people were trying to talk over each other or whatever uh, in the beginning yeah. but then I kept on jumping in to just you know focus it back on one at a time the individuals gave people the platform and the opportunity to speak gave people the, uh, to, the opportunity to respond and be heard and what I found in that conversation which was the most difficult that there was a spike in tension and it wasn't sustained. The things people naturally don't want to be at that constant state of tension the entire conversation. Conversation is two hours. To stay tense for two hours, it's like insane. So yeah. what ended up happening is like you, there was a point in time people got tense and then, and then it just kind of slowly dissipated. And folks were just like, okay, our guards are down now. And we, they actually started talking a lot more. And it was, it was like a moment of you can see that it was a bit cathartic for folks to just let it out. Yeah. They weren't even talking about it. They were they weren't sharing like their the dissenting viewpoints. Everyone just assumed what everybody else thought. But I bet no one became friends after that one. Um <laughs> after that one, I just being I cynical, know. but I, I, I doubt know. it. I mean, I, I don't I don't think people people became friends right away. That's a heavy topic. What happened was people came back. Um a lot the majority of folks came back. I got notes after that meeting. This is what actually kept me going. Um, saying that this is the exact thing that we need right now and thank you for creating a space for this I felt like I was going crazy having this dialogue in my head and not being able to share it with anybody um, it was almost like you like AA for politics or some of it so um, I'm going to ask you your requested question yeah. but what was, you, what was my requested question I'm going to read it verbatim oh man is this is a good plug it's not the plug yet oh, we're getting man. there because I have a few plug requests walk. Okay, do you believe you can accomplish your mission and depolarize America? Mm. If so, how? And how have you started seeing this already? Mm. Yes, that's a wonderful question. (laughs) I appreciate you asking me that question. So, do I believe that we can accomplish the mission? I would say... So the mission is to depolarize America? Fundamentally. That's at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do. And to to do that, we're building tolerance, community, and encouraging civic engagement. Um, She's got the spiel. You got to be ready. People <laughs> ask you. You got to be on point. 
Um, so 100%, I believe that it's possible. I think the question is, does everyone else believe that it's possible? The more people start believing in the goodness of other humans, folks that we freaking can't stand, and we start recognizing the humanity in them, start seeing ourselves in them, start recognizing that, you know what, if I grew up in this space and I had these parents, and this is what I was exposed to, it's possible that I would hold these viewpoints too. So yeah. how do I approach somebody like that? And I feel the more we have people start to believe in the goodness of humanity and start approach it from a place of compassion, 100% I believe it's possible. And, and our goal as an organization is to create spaces in all 50 states where we're building communities, diverse communities of people that think differently as a resistance to the death of critical thinking in this country. The, the echo chambers that we live in right now are only going to take us further and further down the road of division. And we're going to continue to believe that our viewpoint is, should be unchallenged and feel triggered by anything that comes close to doing that. And that does an injustice to, to our, ourselves and like the future of, of our country. And I mean, I wouldn't want my kids to not challenge me or like, or, or, or you know, wonder why I suggest that they believe what, you know, this, these certain values. I want them to challenge me. I want everyone to challenge their values and viewpoints and come to their own conclusions, right? Um, and then you'll actually stand on grounds that are a little bit more solid. You'll be more confident and comfortable. And when someone challenges you, you're not going to get angry. You're going to be happy to have a conversation. Yeah, that's very idealistic, mm. but a beautiful... <laughs> I love that. I think that's exactly what everyone should try and strive to get involved in. I'm an idealist. <laughs> I, I, I own it. I own it entirely. And the reason that I'm an idealist is because what are the other alternatives? Yeah. If you don't believe in it, you don't set your mission and your objective high, you're not going to make any progress. <laughs> yeah, in life, personally, professionally. Yeah. 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 I think I've started thinking that way too more as I've grown a little bit older, matured. So I feel you. Um, mm. I guess this is just me curious about like how a 20 something, you're in your 20s, right? Mm -mm. 30s? Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. How yeah. old? Oh, we'll, leave it off, we'll leave it off the podcast. <laughs> you never ask a man his age. Well, I appreciate you saying that. You look I, very I, young. I feel, okay. I feel, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like a young man. <laughs> well, how do you find, you know, balance in, in your working a full-time job mm. and running like a nonprofit? Like, how mm. do you find balance there and how do you stay like sane amidst, it's a lot of energy, I'm sure. So... You don't. You don't find balance. Um, you find the passion and the connections in the work that you do. I feel like it's like for for me. One of the things that I found is I need the things that I do to energize me. Everything that I do, right? Like if I'm working, it's got to energize me. Whether it's my nonprofit work, whether it's um, my day job whether it's hanging out with my friends <laughs> and my struggle on a daily basis in everything that I do is to figure out what's not energizing me and to figure out how to either A, get energy from it and change my perspective or B, um, stop doing that thing. Yeah. Right? Uh, and so, like, with my nonprofit, there's a lot of things that I do that energize me. And so when I'm working with my co-founder, Lisa Swallow, who's amazing, um, we inspire each other. We consistently push each other to, to, to believe in, in doing crazy things, and we've been doing them together. And so the community of folks, we have such a rich community across the party lines of people that genuinely want to make a difference. They're smart. They're critical thinkers. They come to us to want to volunteer, and they genuinely like inspire me 
uh, just being around them is, is energizing because it just, it just makes me feel like we can do so much together. Um, at work, at my day job, like I am constantly looking for ways to get out of doing the things that I don't like doing. And I'm, I'm pretty honest and direct with it. It's hot. It's hard. And I think over time it was like, your boss is like, here, do this. And you're like, oh, I don't want to. Well, the thing is, it's like, I'll, I'll, I'll figure out how I can come at it from the, the angle that I'm good. Um, I'll, and I will, um, you know, if, if I feel like I'm in an environment where it's consistent, they're consistently pushing me in a direction that's like, it's not working towards my strengths. I'm not, I'm not energized by it. I'll respectfully have a conversation and let them know that that's the case. Like you're not getting the, the most value out of me. I should be doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, wow. That's good advice. I'm going to start thinking like that. Granted, I just started my job, so <laughs> maybe I'll wait a couple uh, years until I'm doing that. But okay. So do you have any advice for anyone who's, you know, they're passionate about something, they're triggered, they want to go for making change. They want to start something because you started a nonprofit. Like it's mm. not something that I think it's for me anyways, it sounds like something that, Oh, I could never do that. Even mm. if I wanted to, mm. you know, like, do you have any advice for people to push past that fear? Um, so I felt that way too, what you just said that I could never do that. Um, and there came a point when I felt that either I'm going to leave this country because I'm not comfortable of the direction that it's heading and I don't feel comfortable in it just being myself or I'm gonna do something to change it. As those were literally the two options that were in front of me. And I started the nonprofit because I felt a burning desire to change something. And I've had my fair share of starting things and not finishing them and getting frustrated at myself yeah. for not doing that. That's and real. So, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I know what, it's, what it means to commit. It means that you sometimes you're not going to be, you know, you're not, you're going to lose your belief in what you're doing. You're not going to think it's possible. Um, you're going to want to quit because you're afraid of what it entails. Um, and what I would say for anyone that's going to wants to try something and do something and start a nonprofit or a company or whatever it is you're trying to do is ask yourself fundamentally, what are the reasons that you're doing them? and commit to it just commit to it believe in what it is that you're doing yeah and then when you put it out there i promise you it's crazy things start to work um in your favor you start finding people that are interested in what it is that you're doing you start finding resources like i'm not a big kind of you know the secret person like <laughs> I, I i i think that the theory of attraction is a thing but like i don't think magic happens and the universe just hands you things I think what ends up happening is you just start seeing and you, you put a conversation out there and then the conversation comes back to you. Like my co-founder found me um, because I, I, was, I was putting stuff out on the internet and then she searched for, for something that was, um, you know, the name of the group that was, and it, we had the same exact name. Like that, that's kismet. Right. <laughs> so it was two separate organizations and you guys didn't know each other and they both have the same name? It wasn't even an organization. We were just throwing events oh. that are around the same similar topics. That's so interesting. Yeah. Wow. And, and so, and then all of a sudden we started, like I found somebody who in my network who does fundraising, somebody in my network who does marketing, somebody in my network that does, you know, that's advertising. And we told them about what we were doing and they wanted to hop on board and it just... If everyone wants to believe in something and a lot of times you just need to give them something to believe in and, and, and believe in it yourself. And yeah. so I think that all the logistics and all the BS to getting there, it's just <laughs> there to kind of, I think, scare us and make us feel like we can't do it. But yeah. at the end of the day, just continue to believe, especially in the times where you believe the least. Yeah. I think I like what you said about, I think it's, there's always going to be doubts coming at you like all the time, no matter how successful you are. It's mm -hmm. just like recognizing that all it takes is pushing past it, taking mm -hmm. one little action step and that will snowball into more. 
and where you're putting energy into, things grow. So, mm. I agree. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Let's do a little plug walk. So oh, yeah. where can people find Crossing Party Lines? How do they get involved? If people want to join these conversations, where can they find you? Thank you for asking. <laughs> so if you guys want to join the conversation, and I hope you do, we're a very welcoming bunch. Um, you can find us at crossingpartylines.com. You can sign up for our mailing list. And weekly, you'll get an email with the new podcasts that we've released, the new events that we have coming up, uh, and you can sign up for one. Uh, I would say where if you're not in your area, you can start one, um, and I, that still reigns true right now in COVID times. You can join the conversation from anywhere that you are, even if you don't have one locally, um, because all the conversations are virtual, but eventually when we're back to the ground, we're going to be uh, getting back in person and building those communities together, so hope you guys can come to the conversations. We also have moderator trainings if you want to volunteer you can become a moderator Ooh, we have an awesome curriculum do that. on how to do that yeah <laughs> no absolutely um those trainings are free um they're not free they're volunteer driven and donation based but they're free to you if you want to participate uh, we also have educational sessions on um you know how to talk politics and we we have awesome fundraiser sessions we actually just had one where we had this documentary about this miner from west virginia who ran for senate um, and the, the director was from Brooklyn. Um, and so we had a fundraiser where we, we, they did a screening with our organization. So we got all these cool events and they're all sort of, it's, if you care about politics, um, you, and you and care people. about people, most important, <laughs> most importantly, you're absolutely right. Thank you for, for keeping us, uh, you were going there though, keeping us grounded. <laughs> no, no, you took us there. Um, then, then this is a group for you. Um, and at the very least, just come figure it out and be uncomfortable a little bit only to see what's on the other side. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Kareem. I hope everyone gets involved. Um, thanks again for listening, guys. Until next time. Thank you, Sophia. Later. For being such a gracious, <laughs> gracious moderator.